listening to First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, somebody. Man, I'm so glad to be in church tonight. They sang one of my favorite songs tonight. Uh, they went into that. You thought I was worth saving. And I got chills all the way down my back. And I was like, my God. When I sing in my mind, that's what it sounds like. So, uh, you know it's your night when they sing one of your top five favorite songs of all time. And sometimes if I'm like fighting with discouragement, I'll get in the echoey places of my house, which uh, is mainly my shower. And so there's something about a unique combination of, how shall we say, a unique combination of blissful hot water and echoey uh, acoustics that if you just won't open your voice and sing then, you're just not a singer. You're, you're just, you're not going to be in the heavenly choir. You're going to be, I don't know, maybe serving food, which some people, that's the, that's your ministry. Uh, <laughs> but in that, yeah, I, that's one of my favorite songs to sing, and so it just blessed my soul here tonight. We're continuing talking about purpose. Last week, uh, we talked about the purpose of the church uh, in five in five different expressions. And if you missed that, it is available on our website, all of the various media outlets that our church sends content to. It is available. But I want to quickly review that, and then we're going to continue it tonight. We're talking uh, purpose, the second of the purpose series, and we're talking about uh, first things, getting uh, beginnings, understanding why and where you should get started. I think I'm going to talk about that, but to be completely transparent with you, I'm not exactly sure. Once we get started, we will see where where it goes. So let's get started uh, with a reminder of the five-fold purpose of the church. Now, I gave you a shortcut for remembering it. What you do is you combine the great commission or the great commandment with the great commission, and you are given the five-fold expression of purpose for the church. Remember, what is the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's number one. So what is it look like if you love the Lord with all that is within you? It looks like worship. In fact, the only way you can live a life of worship is to put God upon the throne of your life. If you have something else, most commonly yourself, on the throne, you can never really offer worship. All you can do is praise. Why is that important? Because the standard for praise is much lower than the standard for worship. The only thing you have to have to be qualified for praise is have breath in your lungs. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Now, I don't want to make praise seem like a bad thing. It is not a bad thing. In fact, you should be free understanding that to offer praise to God no matter what is going on in your life because you're not disqualified from praise if you haven't been living your best life. So you haven't been living your best life. Uh, you know who you are. You haven't been doing as good as you know. You know what your mama would say to you. You know what your mama would say to you. You know, and you haven't been doing the best, and you come to church, and the enemy tells you you should just be quiet. 
You shouldn't praise because you're not living your best life. You're not doing your best effort. You've kind of slipped here and there. And if the enemy can get praise out of your mouth, he has removed a powerful weapon. So I want to lay this issue to rest right now, here for uh, here, here forth and forever, here forth. That's in the Nathaniel chapter. Uh, my wife told me I should explain this joke because some of you aren't getting it. Whenever I say that's in the Nathaniel translation, that's a joke on myself as how I would have said it, okay? So there really isn't a Nathaniel translation. And any, any of you who have ever looked for the Nathaniel book in the Bible, God bless you. I love you. <laughs> I love you. You make pastoring a joy. Uh, and I, I mean that seriously. It is a joy. I love when people are fresh and they don't know. I just love it. It, it just makes me want to smile. It, it's, it, does, it doesn't tire me at all. You, you shouldn't be afraid to ask questions because the, one of the ways to refresh a pastor, well, maybe not all pastors, but a pastor who like really likes you and loves people, one of the ways you can refresh uh, them and their spirit is show your hunger for the word. It is so refreshing to a Bible teacher to be with somebody and they're just like, have you ever cooked for hungry people? It is awesome. They won't leave you alone. They're like in the kitchen. And what are we doing now? <laughs> and can I taste that? And what about a little sliver of that? And the whole time you're like, nah, nah, nah. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's wonderful. So uh, I just want you to know if you've ever looked for the Nathaniel chapter, God bless you. Um, you you'll, you'll find it, you know, in the scripture if you keep looking. So, uh, or at least you'll find it at First Church if you keep looking. Um, so this great commandment, uh, love the Lord your God, worship, uh, is followed by your love your neighbor as yourself. What is that? That's ministry. That's a picture of ministry. To love someone is to seek the best for them. Uh, I've heard some people uh, refer to this passage and say, how can we love others like ourselves when we don't always love ourselves? And I, I understand what they mean. Some people spend years of their life fighting uh, problems of being down on themselves. Uh, I could do a show of hands here. I won't do it, but I could do. How many of you have spent uh, months and even years of your life feeling like you hated at least some part of yourself? And most of you would raise your hand. Um, to live with a sense of your own failure is to battle issues of self-image, issues of being uh, exhausted with yourself, irritated with yourself, angry at yourself, wishing you could get a do-over on, on life. And so the question comes up, how do we love others as ourselves if we don't always love ourselves? Well, I want you to see uh, a deeper meaning in the term of love, and I want you to see that even when you don't like yourself, you will always act in your own interest. You could say, I hate myself. You still will steal a chocolate bar. Because you want to eat it. It's in your interest to eat it. Uh, you understand what I mean by that. That's just a silly example. And so to love someone else is to treat them as though you were treating uh, yourself. Or as Jesus said, um, uh, what we think of in a modern terminology as the golden rule. Whereas you do to other people as you would have them have done to you if the role was reversed. So what we have here first is worship, the great commandment, worship. Uh, God's on the throne of your life. And if he truly is, if you've truly surrendered the various parts of your life uh, to the Lord and you have looked at your possessions and you've said uh, these 
really, these aren't mine. These are the gift of God in my life, and I, I return them to you, Lord Jesus. If you've looked at the years you have been given, if you looked at the health of your body, if you looked at the, the ups and downs of your life, the good and bad, you kind of survey the, the cards life has dealt you, and you say, Lord, I'm playing this. I'm possessing this. This is my life, but I want you to know that I know it is your gift. If you'll do that, you'll have a chance to have God really be on the throne of your life. That's worship, followed by ministry, loving others, serving others, living for others. This is combined. So uh, worship ministry is combined with the Great Commission, which is go. That is the third purpose, manifest of the church, which is evangelism. You need to have in your core uh, style of, of, of godly service, how you serve the Lord, part of that needs to have uh, evangelism in it. You need to have a heart for other people uh, because if you don't, everything that you know about God can be used to get in the way of the heart of God. Again, you've heard me say this a lot. You've heard me teach this a lot. Um, if you don't have a sense, uh, a heart, a desire uh, for reaching others, helping others, encouraging others, uh, in- including others, accepting others, uh, if you don't have that, uh, a profound knowledge of, say, biblical prophecy can be just as effective at dividing people as it can be as inviting people. The same knowledge you have about the law of God can be used to stone the woman caught in adultery. Do you see what I'm saying? So if we miss the heart of God, um, and, and you cannot see, you cannot see a heart uh, that is expressing the purposes of the church where it's worship, ministry, evangelism, followed by fellowship, baptize them. Remember, baptism is the moment. They are no longer a spiritual orphan. They are now in the household of faith. This is fellowship. We have accepted them as brothers and sisters. Are they perfect? No, far from it. But they are a part of us. They have been adopted into the family of God. And it becomes an act of spiritual discipline, just like fasting, just like prayer. It becomes an act of spiritual discipline to look at those imperfect people and say, God loves those people. I will see the good in those people. I, I will ask God to show me the good of those people. I know I can see the bad. That's just to be carnal. But because they are of the household of faith, I impute to them the good. And I express the mercies of God to them because I have been given the mercies of God. And now I freely give the mercies of God. The moment they have identity within the body of Christ, it is an act of fellowship to include them. You need to have as part of your spiritual disciplines, just like you would fast and just like you would pray, you need to have a part whereby you include brothers and sisters in your life and you make space for them, you befriend them, you invest in them. It is a part of our divine spiritual purpose as the body of Christ. Do you see? After fellowship, finally, after fellowship comes uh, discipleship. This is investment in people over time. This is not commanding them. This is discipling them. It's not the same thing. Um, If we're not careful, the larger and the more successful the church gets, 
the, the less patient we will be with people who have not wholly embraced all elements of the church. Uh, and the reason for that is because we are made confident by a large host of believers. You'll see this uh, uh, in... So if you have a small group of Christians eating at a restaurant, they'll be fairly quiet. But if you have a large group of Christians eating at the same restaurant, they will be obnoxious. How many of you have witnessed this for your own understanding? Something about being with a lot of people that are your people, it's easier to be dismissive of the individual because we are tribal. And here's the problem. Here's the risk. This is the risk. Tribalism in our heart is not of the kingdom of heaven. It is just as carnal as if you went out and looked at a bad magazine or went out to some club and partied and whatever. It's the same. It's just a different kind of carnality because it's tribalism, which makes us prefer over our comfort zone over other people. That's what tribalism, ultimately, we divide the world to insiders and outsiders, and therefore, we have trust inside, and we look askance. We look with suspicion outside. And so, uh, as a church, these five purposes, in order for us to be a healthy manifestation of what it means to fulfill uh, the ministry, the call, the purpose of God on the earth, we have to have five purposes in balance. Worship, ministry. Fellowship, evangelism, discipleship. So uh, I will give you, before much longer, I will give you simple ways to remember that. I always remember it by com- combining the great commission with the, uh, the, the great commandment. So if we are going to pursue purpose, uh, we, we're, we're going to have to pursue spiritual health um, because health is the response is is the result of spiritual balance all of us have currently these five things these five this fivefold purpose and last week I went over a bunch of this symbolic five expressions uh, in the Bible maybe next week I'll touch it again just to show you how cool it is um, so all of us are doing these five things. It's just we're not doing them all at the same level. Um, you may, in fact, let me, let me just say that a little, little, little more clearly. What you do most comfortable, comfortably will be a reflection of the kind of church you either grew up in or spiritually grew up in. So if you grew up in a church that's really strong on discipleship, uh, there will be this natural comfort zone there for you where all you really want to do is get together with people or a small group of people and kind of tell them the things they ought and ought not to be doing. Very strong on that. That is a blessing. It is a function of of the church. We must care about bringing people to spiritual growth, to spiritual maturity. We must care about influencing people toward the kingdom of God. Can I have a big amen? And so that is a good thing. But um, I have preached as an evangelist at churches that had a feel of that, and their services would be very um, structured almost as a feel of 
more teaching than anything else. Um, That's because they're strong on discipleship. Now, other churches are strong on, say, uh, worship. They they, they may not have a lot of kind of uh, systematic uh, guidance for your spiritual growth or your character development, but man, once the singing starts, they are in the aisle. Uh, And not only that, they will push that gift almost to a fault. Now, you say, how is that possible? It becomes a fault when uh, you don't accept people who don't do it like you do. That's when it becomes a fault. Now, you can't worship God too much. I can't worship God too much. But the moment I define my worship and say, if you don't do it like I do it, then you are not a worshiper. I've pushed it too far. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, I've turned my strength into a weakness. Okay, so spiritual health comes from balance. It is very beneficial to me, and it's very beneficial to all of you to consider these things, these five expressions of spiritual health, and ask yourself what your inclination is and what your balance is. Some people love Sunday worship, but they don't want to be involved in, uh, say, a small group ministry. The reason is, is they don't really like people. They don't really like people. Um, True confession, I spent the first 20-odd years of my life um, thinking I didn't like people. Now, some of you are like, really, you? Really, you? Yes, me, really. I know, it's shocking even now. Um, Why was that? I I actually have spent uh, some time in the last year thinking about this, reviewing it, because now I get my ministerial meaning from loving people. I truly do. I, I get ministerial meaning from, from loving people. I want to believe in you. I want to compliment you. I want to make you feel like you're better at church than you'll ever be at home. I want to speak life to you. It means so much to me. In fact, if you tell me I can't do that, I really need to find some other way to make a living because it has come to mean so much to me. So why could it be that you could get, well, what I, my current theory is this. Um, because I started working full-time uh, at 15 and I went to school at, not, at night, did my schoolwork at night, homeschooled, um, I, I got out of step with my generation and my best friends became people who were in their 30s. And I was 15 and so I went to Bible school. <clears throat> I had a somewhat of a challenging social uh, exposure because my friends... I had developed the last years when I developed my personality and all of that uh, with people who were older. Many of them were married. I didn't have friends my age because they were in school. And I was, I was working, and then I got to college, and I was out of step again. And I, it was socially challenging for me. I know you can't even now imagine how this could be possible. But I took nerd to the next level. <clears throat> I was a nerd. Um, I would I would just go to my room and, and read a book. And it wasn't even an interesting book, as my wife loved to point out. I would go read a nerdy book. And nothing exciting, some dumb book. And um, I, I feel like that made me feel like I didn't have any social skills. I, I think that's how it happened. Um, chances are in your life, uh, if you have come to believe you don't have much to give to people, 
people, or it's difficult for you to open your heart to people, um, or it's difficult for you to love people. It is because, and I, I say this and I feel the Holy Ghost when I say it because I'm saying it to a handful of people in this building right now. It's because you were wounded at some point in your life and you've never really been completely spiritually healed. And you now have fallen into the habit of thinking, I don't do well with good people, with, with people. I don't get along with people. And you've forgotten that there was a circumstance that was formative to you. I'm here to tell you today, and I'll say it as prophetic as I can. It's God's will for you to be completely healed because you will never find your purpose in the kingdom without loving other people. So let the healing begin in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Most of the purposes of the church cannot be fulfilled alone. The only one you have a chance of fulfilling alone is worship. But if you'll notice in the scripture, worship is done best together. Not even worship is best alone. Now, I encourage you to be a worshiper even when you're alone. But not even worship is best alone. Because when there are two or three gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Even worship is done. Let me say it like this. You were not made to do life alone. You were not made to do ministry alone. You were not made to do worship alone. Somebody say amen. You were not made to do ministry alone. Can I have another amen? You were not made to do evangelism alone. You were not made to do fellowship alone. You were not made to do discipleship alone. The kingdom is such that you are incomplete unless you are divinely knit together into the faith, the life, the heart, the calling, the gifts, the spiritual impartations of other people. So I am here to tell you tonight, you will find your spiritual meaning. You will discover your highest spiritual calling in the Lord local church. If you don't like me, you don't want to come to this local church, that's okay. But you need to find a local church and you need to invest in it. Every time, and I'm just just putting this out here because I'm in the mood and you're stuck. It's not 8.30, so I don't have to let you go. You just have to suffer. Every time you start over knitting yourself with a body of Christ, you reset back at zero at your ability to be deeply involved in that body. Why? Because we have to know those who labor among us. And every time you reset and you reset and you reset, and if your answer to a church tension is to reset, and your answer to a disappointment is to reset, and your answer to someone saying that you needed to brush your teeth and you didn't uh, is a reset. Whatever, if Every time you're always resetting your potential, now, if, you, if you're looking for a place where you can have a, a, a ministry and you're thinking if you find the right church, they'll give you a place and they'll give you a title, I want to warn you, I want to warn you that in the kingdom of God, that is not how growth happens. You are not given a title. What you do is you create spiritual value. It's called, a, wait for it, 
ministry. And they know you, the people whom you minister among. And it is out of that. Now, the exception would be to people who have made a career of a particular arena of effort or ministry. Uh, ministry. A church may hire them or bring them in, uh, something like that. But I think that is an easy distinction for, for most of us to understand. Um, if even, however, in those places, uh, they had to be known. There had to be trust. There had to be something uh, that was there. And I want you to know that even within a body of Christ, there is a purpose for you gathering, your joining, your knit together with that church. That church needs you, and you need that church. The church is less without you, and you are less without that church. You are created by God with a purpose. God has an investment in your life. And when we talk about these issues, uh, you can. I have books on my bookshelves that are from the 1700s. Uh, and if you look up sermons on purpose, these same scriptures will be referenced from three or 400 years ago. Um, but the first issue, the first um, issue that you have to commit to is that you have divine purpose that will emerge from your spiritual becoming. Uh, Thomas Carlyle, the the philosopher, said, a man without a purpose is like a ship without a rougher, a rudder, a rougher. (laughs) Don't hit me with your rougher. (laughs) I'm scared of that. Uh, A man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. Now, spiritually speaking, nothing matters in your life more than your divine calling, your divine God-given purpose. You need to commit to that. You need to explore it. You need to be just as committed to that as you are to your daily devotion, because it is the expression of your God-invested talent. It is the expression. If you just fall into a habit of, I'm, I, well, I'm, just, I'm just trying to stay saved. Well, okay, uh, I get it. I'm trying to stay saved too, but enough about marriage. That's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, you understand? Okay, that's fine, but let's move on now. The one who has begun a good work in us is going to finish it. He is going to present us faultless before the throne of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, unto him who is able. He is able to do that. Now let's move on. You have a purpose. You have a calling. You have an investment. Do not sit on it. It is just as important as you repenting of your sins. It's just as important. I'm talking about the daily habit we fall into of, Lord, if I did anything to pay, I'm sorry, forgive me, as if it's an if. You know you did something today that wasn't right, and you're like, if I did anything today, Lord, no, all heaven's laughing when you're telling that joke. You might as well just go ahead and say, wash me, Lord. Jesus didn't say, if I have any debts, forgive me my debts. He just said, forgive me my debts. Take a hint, honey. Without a purpose, life is motion without meaning. It is activity without direction. It is events without reason. Or as, the, as Paul painted an image for us, as though one were to beat the air with their hands and their, their fists. I believe spiritually the greatest tragedy is not death, but is life without spiritual purpose. And when people haven't spiritual purpose, they live with a sense of, of, of restlessness in their mind and restlessness in their heart. Um, if you have felt this at some season or stage of your life, or if you are feeling this even now, I want you to believe that God will lead you and God will guide you. And with uh, a church that is looking to involve you in places of service 
looking in, to involve you in gifts of generosity, of giving of your life, your talents, uh, etc. Um, you can find something that is more than spiritual restlessness. Uh, the most, I think, probably the most tragic image of this, of this image of, of spiritual restlessness, is shown in the story of, of Cain after he has he has killed his brother. Uh, this murder, this act of murder, uh, has separated him from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord says this to him, uh, you will be a restless wanderer upon the earth. I think this is a very uh, clear uh, image, uh, picture of, of what it means to wander without purpose, to try to be spiritual without meaning, uh, to try to make progress without intentionality. Without a clear purpose, you will not have foundation to, to build on. You say, I don't know where to start with purpose. Well, I will tell you where to start. Remember the five purposes of the church. Go through them in prayer. Great commandment, great commission. What am I doing with worship? Worship is easy because we have training wheels for worship. It's called Sunday. All you have to do is show up. And we have a whole team that will put training wheels on you. And even if you don't know what to do, you'll say, of you, but if you will let God knit you together, we can have a healthy church with all different kinds, all different kinds of people. Without purpose, uh, you're always going to be changing directions, because why not? Without purpose, uh, you will always be seeking meaning, because after all, I mean, why not? I mean, uh, you don't know. You haven't really, without God, without spiritual um, foundations, your life struggles for purpose, your life struggles for meaning, and you will... uh, as it were, uh, have this, you will live out the sense of spiritual restlessness that is shown to us in the life of, of life of Cain. I want to, first of all, I want to uh, convince you, you do have spiritual purpose in your life. Uh, it is not 
strange, difficult, hard, mystical, super spiritual to find it. You just have to open up the door because the Lord has knit you into a body that needs all five expressions. And you'll find how you knit together with someone else. If you don't have the personality to lead a small group, say, which would be a great expression of both fellowship, ministry, and discipleship. All of that happens uh, in in a kind of a smaller uh, context where we mix the circle of our church friends with the circle of our work friends, and the circle of our hobby friends. All successful small groups have an element of this mixing of of our life. Um, People start visiting churches when they know at least two or three people there. (laughs) And if they know four or five, they feel like they're a member, even if they're not. And so all of this can happen, but you may not have the personality to lead the small group, but I promise you, we have leaders that need to have someone to support that group and need to know someone's going to show up. That makes sense? You can open your, your life to the five-fold expression of church purpose simply by joining your personality with someone else's personality. And you need each other. And so um, I want to, uh, I want to, let's see, what time is it? My goodness, they changed the clock on me again. Um, I, I do want to say a, a few things uh, for spiritual growth in terms of your purpose. Um, there is a very good chance if you uh, live in America, which if there's anybody here who doesn't live in America, I just want you to know you have an impressive ch- uh, church commute. I mean, I thought I drove a long way to church. You are coming a long way, and I want to ride in your jet. Okay, so uh, there's a problem uh, with living in America, and that is spiritual progress often requires spiritual boundaries. And if you won't set spiritual boundaries, it's going to be very hard for you to find time in your life to develop your spiritual purpose. Busyness kills the spiritual potential of wealthy, first world, busy, distracted people like us. You need to find a way to slow it down. Let me read Proverbs eleven twenty eight. This is from the, the message translation. A life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. Uh, Busyness is the great enemy of spiritual growth. Busyness is the great enemy of relationships. I just decided to go ahead and get real here for a moment. And we're obsessed with speed. We're obsessed with speed. We wanted the preacher to give us a checklist so we can be done before 10 o'clock tonight and go back to doing what we want to do. God is not interested in uh, speed in the same manner we are. In fact, one of the most frustrating elements of coming to spiritual maturity is understanding that God's time is different than my time. And I usually think I'm ready well before God even thinks I've gotten started. And so uh, 
that is something that we all of us, when we think about spiritual purpose, God views our life from eternity, so it makes sense that he is never in a hurry. Uh, we should be patient with God. We should be patient with ourselves. Uh, we are often in a hurry when God isn't in a hurry. God amazingly never hurries, but is always right on time. Uh, God knows your purpose, and if you will ask, he will share it with you. God knows your gifts, and if you will knock, he will answer to it. Purpose-focused spirituality will simplify your lifestyle, not complexify it. Purpose-focused spirituality will cause you to live by a saner schedule than the one you've been trying to make work. And you will find a deep and abiding peace that emerges from its spiritual intentionality. Sorry for the big words. Um, I think we all understand what intentionality means. It's not happening by accident. You have, you have focused it. So spiritual intentionality is when you set boundaries and you say, I've got to have some quiet time on a regular basis, on a daily basis. This thing I'm trying to do, which is be a spiritual person in a carnal world, doesn't make sense if I don't set some time and I say, this is not about entertainment. This is not about anxiety. This is not about what I've got to do. This is not about my plan to fix something. This is about communing with God. Out of that comes the possibility that we can discover, know, and pursue spiritual, spiritual purpose. Otherwise, if we fail to do this, we are always sliding down the slippery slope of the world's lies which are this witch's brew of things like this. You are as valuable as your valuables. It's a lie. If you had more success, you would have more personal worth. It's a lie. If you had more status, you would have more individual reward. It's a lie. Because to live that way, and we've talked about this a lot, is to live a carnal life. It's just as carnal as living in sin. It's just, it's just a different type of carnality. And although as a church, we oftentimes are very good at defining one kind of carnality, we will struggle with another kind of carnality when we really should walk in victory. I'll give you an example. We'll define a certain activity and say, look, that's not the path. That's, that is not the path to know God, to serve God, to be spiritual people. And we're absolutely right. And then we'll go home and sit up all night in fear. As though fear is the path. It's a different type of spiritual spiritual struggle, but it's the same uh, carnal effort of our life. Um, and so I am going to have to, uh, let me see if I can just kind of sum this up really quickly. Uh, don't worry, I only have uh, 20-something pages of notes here. So um, I want to uh, give you uh, five. Now, I'm not, I, this is a little memnotic. Mim, is that when you create something like a memory tool? Is that what you call that? Mnemonic. Who's the nerd? Oh, hey, D. <laughs> 
a mnemonic. Is that correct? Did I say that right? Okay, so this is, I didn't do this. This was done by uh, Rick Warren. Uh, he wrote the super famous book, um, uh, Purpose Driven Life. It is a wonderful book. Um, I have read it. I recommend it. Um, he is a great communicator, and he uh, gave this mnemonic for helping remember or how, helping discover uh, spiritual purpose in your life. And I'm going to quit after this. Uh, he calls it SHAPE. S-H-A-P-E, and um, this is a very handy way to remember uh, this, and I, I like it. Uh, the S stands for uh, discover your spiritual gifts, your spiritual gifts. The S stands for spiritual gifts. In other words, God has an investment in you. The things you think are just you and who you are and how you live. Uh, no, you're underrating yourself. God formed you. And God crafted you. And if you could ever understand who you are in God, you would never want to be anybody else. Envy and lust is the result of you failing to perceive who you are in God. Don't have time to preach that. The H is heart. Listen to your heart. The S, as I said, is spiritual giftings. The H is heart. Listen to your heart. You are a bundle of desires, hopes, interests, ambitions, dreams, affections, and in your heart is the source of your motivations, what you love, what you care about. Another word for heart is passion. What are you passionate about? You are looking for your spiritual giftedness to the church. You are looking for how you add to the value of the church. You are looking to how you find divine purpose expressed through your daily life. Not just once a year at a big conference or camp meeting, but in your daily life. So we're going to look to our spiritual gifts, the S. The H is we're going to listen to our heart. The A is abilities. You are going to consider the natural talents you have. You have a set of natural talents. You need to dedicate them to God. He gave them to you. You need to give them back to God. The P is for personality. You have a personality. Some of you hide it well, but you have a personality. Some of you are like me, and you use your personality as a baseball bat to beat people about the head, neck, and shoulders. Um, it's okay. I am uh, the youngest child, and I had to defend myself through humor. And the fact that I'm still here is truth that people laughed at my jokes. Otherwise, I would have died many, many years ago. Uh, you have a personality. Use it. Can I have an Amen. And the E is you have a set of experiences. Don't waste the things you have survived. Chances are God will use those experiences as fertilizer, which there's a joke there that I will not make. But at least Brother Anthony got it because he has a carnal mind like I do. God will use your experiences like a type of fertilizer, which mixed with the soil of your life will promote rapid spiritual growth. So remember, spiritual gifts, that's the S. H, listen to your heart. Where are your passions? Uh, the A is, think about your ability. Some of you have uh, deeply educated in subjects. Um, those subjects have produced a certain set of skills in your life. You have abilities. Don't hide them from God. Don't give your abilities to your employer and then hide them when you come to the house of the Lord. Uh, God is a much better return on investment 
than any company you can ever be a part of. The P is personality. Don't be afraid to be who you are. You'll run some people nuts and other people will love you. Embrace the reality of you. (laughs) And E is experiences. Don't waste your sorrows. Let's all stand. Step out of your your seat real quick. Come in real quick. I'm not going to keep you long, but I, I want us to pray before we go here. Step out very quickly. Come down here. Friends, guests, feel free to come with us. We're glad you're here. I want you all to know that I, I'm honored to serve the Lord with you. I appreciate you. Uh, you're all beautiful, beautiful people. So many of you are, are kind of new to us. I want so much to uh, you to get knit together. Uh, best way to do that's first steps. I'll get to know you. Uh, we'll feed you. It'll be a great time. Um, I want you to get into the life of the church. Uh, church, look around you right now. Just look for the faces you don't know and make a mental note to get to know these people. Just just look around. We have uh, this this. I've been to a lot of churches. This is a great church. I don't just mean as far as like, you know, the preaching, although that's very good, if you ask me. I'm just having fun. Um, I don't mean just like in music and whatnot. We have great, I love all that. But what I'm trying to say is the people make this church awesome. The people make this church awesome. And you need to get to know the people in this church. We are rich in beautiful, beautiful people. We are rich. And every one of the five purposes of our church, which if we can balance them, will produce spiritual health, which God will then add to the church because God grows the church. We don't grow the church. Uh, We pursue spiritual health, uh, and we do it through the five expressions of the purpose of the church, which I've talked about uh, a good bit. I want you to see that every one of those purposes are going to be fulfilled through the people around you, radiating out into the the city, the metro area in which we are placed. So I want to pray for you right now. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for these beautiful people. I want to say thank you for them, God. I can see your profound investment in each one of them. I'm so honored and blessed to be joined together with them in in, in spiritual calling and, and spiritual purpose. Lord, I pray that you would let us be spiritually healthy as individuals and spiritually healthy as a church. Lord, we want our worship to be profound. We want our worship to be profound. Lord Jesus, we want our ministry to be heartfelt. We want people to feel the deep passion we have for their well-being. Not just our well-being, but for their well-being, oh God. In Jesus' name. We want to have a heart that is evangelistic. We want to express evangelism. We want to celebrate fellowship. We want to invest in discipleship, Lord. And as we find spiritual health, our ability to influence the the, the metro in which you have placed us will be expressed through our reflecting your nature to the world. Let it happen. Let it start with me, Lord. Let, Let it start right here with me, oh God. Let it flow down through our pastoral team. Let it flow down through the leadership of our ministries. Let it flow through these strong Bible study uh, people that come on Wednesday night. Let it flow through them. And God, let it flow out into our Sunday crowd, people uh, that they, 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 they 
love you. They, they serve you. Uh, their lives are full. Or let them f- celebrate the expression of your nature through the church. And then let the neighborhood around this church recognize there's something different about our church. Let us be known in this community as the church of the second chance, the church of the heart of God, the church of the fivefold manifestation of divine purpose. Let us be known for that, Lord. We can hire marketing or you can give us favor. Now, we do what marketing we can, God, but there is no marketing that can compete with divine favor. And I'm praying that you would give us divine favor in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, I ask it in Jesus' name. Now, I'd like us to take a moment and praise him for receiving our request. Lord, I praise you because you are manifest among us. I praise you because you are good. I praise you because you are glorious. I praise you because you are beautiful. I honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.